0: How do we see telco operators potentially becoming uh, businesses that are able to reinvent themselves on new platforms for future growth?
1: Well, I guess, I mean, permission, this is an interesting question, but not limited to uh, telco industry, because digitization in general is impacting any business today, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, in finance, we have seen digital banks with no physical infrastructure coming on. On transport, I mean, you know, well-known and kind of uh, cliche example of Ubers and, you know, Airbnbs Mm. and all sharing. And there are industries like media, I mean, has been already disrupted forever. It will never go back to what media is. Media uh, uh, consumption and uh, how we consume media completely changed. Now this is moving into real... Big disruptions in terms of uh, banking, insurance, and telco, and probably in the future healthcare and transportation as well. So, this dig- digitalization really impacts cross-industry, you know, uh, uh, in, a, in a very big manner. So, I think for communication service providers, it is an opportunity because now they are coming from enabling environment of all this communication to all these industries and users and users, so they understand what it takes to leverage that knowledge and turn it into new revenue streams. And that's exactly what they are trying to do with these new digital services. So probably we will see telcos are playing really key and critical uh, uh, role in the evolution of other industries, all the way from healthcare transport to probably financial services and uh, uh, and media as well. So I think uh, the industry has been changing quite drastically since its inception indeed. Uh, a century ago, I mean, uh, from the, the early early stage communication networks to today, and it will continue evolving. And uh, I think it's it's really an exciting uh, industry to be in. So,
0: so I just want to go back to the issue of of networks, and, and in particular around around spectrum. I, I guess you know we've already seen some five G auctions take place in Europe and and in the Americas. Um, Whereas in, in South Africa, you know, we, we, we still need to set up the framework for the deployment of, uh, or additional 4G spectrum. Yonita, uh, you've spent a lot of time, I guess, with the regulator and, and the people who are um, designing the policy around this. Do you think we will get 4G in 2019?
2: Well, we've already got out <laughs> <so. laughs> um, You know, what's interesting for me is I think that, you know, Lack of spectrum has been a critical enabler of the fibre industry mm. um, because you know the amount of fibre back all that's been put into place. Um, but yeah, I'm very positive, I think we're on the right track. I really, really believe that um, the minister, uh, Ndabeni Abrams, is the right person for the job. Um, and um, she understands the market she knows the market uh, she's an incredibly hard worker she's been with us for a really really long time in her role as deputy minister um, and i think i think we're in for a good time i would i would put my money in it
0: i think you, you're quite right we already do have 4g but it's probably not the most efficient given the no, lack of true. spectrum i think you know no. Telco discussion in 2019 is complete without a discussion around 5G Mm. Um, and it's quite interesting there's a huge amount of literature on the implications of 5G but there's not much literature that explains quite simply what 5G is. Bora, if I can give you that challenge, can you quite succinctly describe what 5G is?
1: I mean, 5G, I mean, we need to go back to the roots of 5G and how uh, uh, IT defines 5G from an IMT 2020 vision point of view. I mean, I think that really gives the context of what 5G is and which is really enabling mobile connectivity to everyone and everything. And it is also enabling socio-economic uh, uh, development in many ways. I mean, this is what the original strategy of 5G uh, under uh, underlined by so there are three probably key pillars to five G. One of them is N- ns mobile uh, broadband, which is really enabling mobility connectivity to uh, anything and everything, from your cell phones to sensors for different speeds for different reliability uh, purposes. The second pillar is really massive machine type communication, which is your you know IoT type of communication. Um, uh, enabling all the uh, uh, sensor type or machine-to-machine mesh- connectivity, and the last aspect is uh, ultra-reliable, uh, low-latency communication, which is really uh, taking this technology to put it in use in critical applications all the way from your self-driving cars to uh, remote surgeries to uh, operating your rail operations from a line switching point of view and all, which are really dependent on the latency and reliability issues. So these are three underlying pillars. So in terms of technology though, there are so many uh, techniques that goes into 5G and some of these techniques are already being used on current 4G networks. It goes all the way from uh using multiple frequencies uh, together in providing uh, uh, transmitting the data it goes into uh, using multiple input multiple input antennas basically main antennas talking to each other and densification through small cells because uh, 5g I mean the the, the probably the most uh, highlighted aspect of 5g is use of millimeter waves because mm-hmm. at the end of the day uh, uh, spectrum is limited today we are uh, using all the way to the 6 gigahertz and the, the nature of radio frequency is you can only transmit limited amount of data so what we do is okay if it is the case why don't we use more spectrum and we have plenty available on the north of 24 gigahertz so that is what we are bringing in with 5g but the challenge is i mean if you are going higher in the spectrum uh, frequency your coverage becomes, you know, much denser, so you, you need many, many more sites. So that, that, that's the, you know, small cell and densification aspect. And most of these things are happening on the radio level uh, on 4G networks today. So 5G sometimes is really, you know, uh, overstated in my opinion. It's really a, a, a good marketing for uh, for most of the communication service providers or even for countries for that purpose. But uh, uh, reality is, I mean, it is really a combination of different techniques. But I think we, we shouldn't forget what 5G is trying to achieve, really. Uh, that, that goes back to the uh, underlying principles of 5G, regardless of what are the techniques that we are using to achieve it. So,
0: so without, I guess, going into the technical detail of 5G, for me, I, I like to summarize it into, into three areas which you've touched on. The first is, taking us into a realm of gigabit per second speeds. Yeah. Secondly, uh, a greater efficiency in terms of bandwidth and therefore capacity. And the third then is uh, it enables far lower latencies than what we are currently mm. seeing under 4G or, or even uh, 3G technology. Mm. So, so if, if you cover those three areas, I guess the next element is what are the use cases that lends itself to the deployment of 5G technology? I think you know where people have the view that it allows you to you know stream 4K type uh, uh, movies over over broadband. Um, that's a very limited perception of 5G and the potential of 5G. I think it takes it into a completely different realm because 4G can uh, currently solve the requirement for high definition streaming. So, what are the, s- some of the use cases that you've been talking to? Your industry members around uh, UNITA?
2: I think the the single biggest one that we are that we are considering are uh, self driving cars, autonomous driving, as as we as we call it. Um, I think you know if you look at um, the reliability that five G promises, um, I think that's critical because nobody wants to be in a in a in a vehicle on a that is driving itself on a network that is not reliable. Um, and I think that that five uh, G uh, promises. Uh, and, and we have to talk about it, as a, you know, in the future because we, we don't really know um, that uh, we'll have these ultra reliable networks. Um, and you know, but when we talk about these things, people think that a lot of this autonomous driving and things are, are very futuristic, and you know, a bit like the Jetsons. And um, but it's because we are slowly exposed to technologies that we come accustomed to. So you know, when I speak to people about autonomous driving, I ask them. I always ask them. I said do you have a speedo cruise on your car? You know, so when you drive long distance route, do you use your speedo cruise? Because that's a form of autonomous driving. A smaller form of it. So this is just the next step. Um, and we're not going to obviously see autonomous driving in every suburb and in every road. But, um, and I think this is the interesting part where the conversation is uh, is taking place right now about 5G and the architecture of 5Gs. Where will we, where will we require 5G? So I think that, you know, we'll see, um, in my opinion, certainly, is that five years of technology on national long-distance routes for autonomous trucks, autonomous drive um, vehicles, autonomous uh, taxis, um, you know, transport modes. Um, And that's going to put a lot of pressure on people um, and and on MNOs to, um, you know, deploy and and get the architecture right and (laughs) understand where they are deploying. Must we start again?
0: So I think to round up the conversation that we've had thus far, let's just talk about the implications of a digital economy in in the South African context. Are are we ready for a digital economy? What are the threats that a digital economy potentially brings in an environment where we have very high unemployment and a very low skill space? Uh, Just to get your thoughts around that.
1: I think, I mean, it's not a question of if we are ready or not, because digital economy is there already, regardless. So mm-hmm. uh, we are already part of a digital economy. In, you know, today we are using Uber, we are using Netflix, we are using cloud services. Most of the enterprises have already moved into cloud. Uh, we, are, we, we, we passed the tipping point on most of the digitalization and it's just the evolution of it and, you know, further adoption of it to the question, The implications in terms of jobs, in, in, in implications in terms of skills, is massive because obviously, I mean, uh, as I mentioned before, this global digitalization, every industry, do require doing things quite differently because businesses are evolving, including telcos themselves as well. In the past, I mean, they had to uh, have massive engineering teams to. Uh, design and operate this network. Today, the machines are operating and stuff. The network is operating and stuff. You don't need that massive capability then. What do you do with this skill set and a team of people who are specializing on a topic? But on the other hand, we have a massive gap in terms of new digital skills um, in every industry. Mm. Enterprise space, I mean, again, cloud is easy to say, but difficult to properly structure and deploy. So obviously reskilling of the people will will be required. I don't think in net effect we will end up with job losses, it is more really reskilling the people and planning for it and really getting it in a a timely manner. So uh, I don't think there is enough focus in this and I see there is a really big requirement for us both you know, private sector point of view, legislation point of view, to focus on how do we reskill people? How do we uh, redeploy these new skills in the areas that are needed? Because there will definitely be an impact on every business, including telcos. It's just a question of then, how do we really bridge the gap by using existing skills?
2: I'd like to add to that, but I think we need to take a, a step back. I think it needs to start with our basic education system. Mm. We need to empower our children. um, And, you know, as soon as they go to school, you know, our children need to be, we need to introduce another language, uh, which is code. Our children have to, from a very young age, learn to code um, and to, and, and, you know, the basic education system, our curriculums need to change to at that age already start an enabling environment where we are raising up uh, digitally mature children that come through the ranks so that when they finish with school they already have a platform that can be utilised. But digital maturity is a a concern. Um, I'm I'm especially concerned about the SMME market and whether they are really um, evaluating themselves and looking at uh, what is available out there um, and the efficiencies that they can achieve and the cost savings that they can achieve by applying uh, technology to their businesses. Um, But lots of work that needs to be done.
0: I personally see the digitalization of the South African economy as a a massive positive Mm. in terms of addressing a number of the social challenges that we have. So the digital digital or digitalization um, probably makes it that much easier for a standardized level of education across uh, the youth of of South Africa. Um, Secondly, it then also allows for further training and development of young people, mm. so effectively reducing the cost of delivering training and development material to individuals, and running that off the back of um, a, a, a high-speed data network, then allows greater access to the material that's available.
2: Exactly, we talk about use cases, um, and you know, we also a couple of years ago we had the fees must fall movement, um, and. One of the, the questions that we brought up as an industry association and, is that we said, so let's go by the assumptions that fees do fall. Mm. Where are we physically going to put the students? Physically, the universities cannot accommodate them. So we have to find alternative methods of educating people. And of course, e-education is that method. But in order to achieve that, we have to ensure that people have access to reliably, reliable and affordable internet.
0: Absolutely, the the, the second um, use case I would think is is certainly in, in terms of healthcare and access to healthcare, particularly for people who don't have easy access to transport modalities to the exactly. to the nearest hospital or the clinic. And then the fourth, uh, sorry, the third is then in terms of uh, financial inclusion. Mm. I think what we're seeing in terms of the development of digital banks, uh, mobile money type services is that more individuals can become. Active participants in the formalized economy. Mm. So I don't think cash is any, or physical cash is anywhere near dead for now, but I think certainly as we've seen in some of the other markets, particularly in Kenya, where mobile money and financial services actually acts as an enabler towards economic growth.
2: Exactly.